You're listening to A Slice of Therapy with me, Alan Parry. Now in this episode, I want to look at three things that impact our psychological well-being. And I heard this recently, actually, in a talk by the late researcher Jerome Kagan. And he was talking about something else entirely. But you know how you kind of read something or listen to something and there's something in there that really attracts your interest that is not necessarily even what they're talking about. That's how it was with me. And what he outlined were these three things that, in his view, are the three key things that impact our well-being, basically. And it kind of resonated with me. It feels true to me in terms of my experience and my outlook on things. So I wanted to share these with you. Now, the interesting thing about these three things is that one of those things kind of falls under the category of acceptance. And the other two are things we can definitely change. It's often an interesting thing in therapy and psychology because there can be a tension sometimes and a difficulty in terms of sorting out what are the things that we need to accept and what are the things that we need to change. And so this kind of deals with that as well, because we can see that there are some things that are just kind of largely who we are. And there are other things that we can definitely change. And it helps really to focus on a sense of self-acceptance in terms of the value of who we happen to be. And then also focus on the things that we can actually change that are really, really going to have an impact in terms of our well-being. Now, the three things that Jerome Kagan mentioned in the interview that I, I heard from him is, first of all, temperament. Secondly, our history, our experiences, what happened to us, basically. And then thirdly, our present circumstances. And so for the rest of the episode, I'm going to dig into each of those and then we'll close at the end with a quick recap. So the first aspect of those three were temperament, what we might actually call personality. Now, you'll probably find on the Internet all sorts of fun personality tests. You know, what kind of song are you? What soap opera character would you be? And all those kind of things. But in terms of the science of it, in terms of the kind of gold standard of personality and temperament, the ones that tend to get used when there are psychological studies around personality, it's something that's known as the big five. And you'll find this online if you look for the big five, um, especially if you put the word ocean, um, you know, like the sea, because ocean actually stands for these big five character traits, personality traits. And although they can change over time, they tend to be relatively stable over time as well. And so many psychologists will think of this as almost like our, our baseline of who we are as people, what our temperament is, what our personality is, the kind of stuff that you would sort of expect that it would be good to kind of come at that from a place of self-acceptance. So I'll quickly go through the five character traits. And obviously, they, they're on a continuum. So 
The first one, for instance, the O of the ocean, is openness. And openness basically means openness to ideas. So you can either score quite high on the openness scale or you can score quite low or somewhere in the middle. But by openness to ideas, you'll often find a lot of artistic people score high in openness, for instance. The next one along is something called conscientiousness. And that actually encompasses a few kind of sub aspects, I suppose. And one of those is um, whether you are an industrious person, whether you kind of work hard, whether you're a tidy person. This kind of comes into conscientious as well. And so when I think of my personality, I'm very high in openness. I'm always looking for new ideas. And of course, that's really helped me as a therapist because it's helped me discover some really groundbreaking stuff. I'd actually say that even though I do work hard, I wouldn't put myself high in conscientiousness because the reason why I work hard is because I really enjoy this stuff. It, because it feeds into that sense of openness and the fact that I like people. So I find this a fun thing that I do. It's a very enjoyable thing for me. But I'm not a particularly tidy person. And if you were to get me to work hard for the sake of it, then I'd probably struggle with that. Whereas a, a conscientious person, a real industrious person, is going to work hard come what may. Now, the next one along is extraversion. And so you'll find that some people score high and some people are more introverted. So an extrovert is someone who gets a lot of energy from being around people. And someone who scores low on extraversion likes to recharge by themselves. Now, I think this is a really, really good example of this kind of um, thing about self-acceptance. Because if you're a person who is quite introverted, that's not actually any kind of character flaw. I often see people, especially amongst clients who work in business, who are trying to make themselves more extrovert. And sometimes it's a good idea to kind of work with the grain rather than against the grain. And so if we know that we're more introverted and we're in business, for instance, then it might pay, for instance, to do the kind of marketing that doesn't really need us to be out networking and all those kind of things that an extrovert would really love. Now, the A is agreeableness. And so someone can be score very high on agreeableness and some can score quite low. And I think that, that one's quite an interesting one because I think sometimes we can be more agreeable because of our history, you know, because it's like a, a defence almost. So I think that one is a little bit more open to change. And also, of course, it makes sense sometimes to be a little bit less agreeable, say, if you're in a negotiation or whatever. But that's the, that's the next one. And the final one, which begins with N, is kind of a, a nervousness. And again, this is one of those which are a bit more pliable because the nervousness might actually be to do with some stuff that's happened. So somebody who is kind of um, a real worrier, for instance, would score higher on that scale. Someone who's very, very laid back and things don't tend to worry them would would fall low on that scale. So to some extent, that's kind of 
believed to be temperamentally programmed. And of course, to some extent, I think that will be partly the thing that we're going to look at next, which is our history in terms of what actually happened to us. So we've just looked at temperaments, one of those things that we kind of, to a large part, is pretty stable through our life. And so we would kind of look at that a little bit like if we had a pet dog. You know, if a pet dog needs to go for a walk every day, we don't try and change the dog. We try and meet its needs. And I suppose that's what it means when we accept ourselves for who we are. We then can focus on trying to meet our needs as if we were our own pet. The next one is very much something that we can change. And this is our history. It's what happened to us. Now, of course, we can't change what happened to us. We can't change our history. But what often happens when it's been a traumatic history or when there's some sort of traumatic moment or series of events is that that history will often continue to touch our lives today. And so one of the things that we can absolutely do is to disconnect the history with the responses that that history has in our present day lives. Now, I've done a lot of podcasts about memory reconsolidation. And memory reconsolidation is a neuroscientific discovery. And what it describes is the brain's own inbuilt mechanism for actually erasing trauma responses. So if you go into fight or flight, or maybe you go into depression, and there's some trigger in the now that resembles something traumatic back then, then that's a really good example of a trauma response. Now, what we can do is we can work together in order to try and trigger that brain's natural mechanism. And so it's an innate way that the brain has to just disconnect what happened to us from our present day lives so that we'll still remember that it did happen, but we no longer have those responses that we had then that actually kept us safe back then, got us through it back then, but now are no longer needed, actually get in the way. And so even though we can't change what happened to us, we can ensure that we're no longer affected by what happened to us. And of course, that has a huge impact on our sense of personal well-being. And on top of that, it'll have a really beneficial impact as well in terms of our ability to change this next thing, which is our present day circumstances. Okay, so we've looked at temperament. We've looked at our histories in terms of what happened to us. The third thing which has a big impact on our well-being are our present circumstances. Now, when I heard um, Dr. Kagan talking about that, it resonated with me around a time where I volunteered at a homeless shelter. And what I was doing was I was seeking to use my skills as a therapist to offer some therapeutic support for free, basically, to those people who were currently homeless. And one of the things that we'll often discuss um, with the people that we work with as therapists is, you know, what, what, what do people need? What is it that you need in this moment in order for life to improve? 
And the obvious answer that they were giving me was, well, basically, I need a home. I need a house. I need to not be living from day to day on the streets. And it's a really great example that our present circumstances can have a massive impact on their well-being. And so when I was working with those people, I knew that anything that we did together might well be beneficial But in that particular moment, it was just going to be a drop in the ocean compared with the change that was needed in present day circumstances. Now, you may look at your own life and notice that some of the things that are getting you down at the moment are things that are happening in your present life. You know, it might be a friend who is taking too much of your energy. It might be a job that you really loathe. It might be something else entirely, but it might be something that you notice in your present day circumstances that if only that were changed, if only you could move beyond that, either by action or by time passing or whatever, that things are going to get better for you. So if you notice that, then that can actually help because Obviously, some some levels of power are available to us to a greater or lesser extent, but often we'll have some sort of agency or power, even if it's only a little bit. And I often think that when our agency is at its lowest, then it's kind of even more important to to really make the most of that and really maximise the little that we have. But whatever power that we've got, whatever agency we've got to make things a little bit better, it can actually galvanize us to realize that actually, if I change this one thing, I'm going to have an improvement. It's a funny thing, really, because it's quite small, this, but I often notice quite small things that clients mention to me sometimes that have a big impact. One of them is like having a redecorate. Um, A client might really hate a room that they're mainly living in and then they'll redecorate it and reorganize it. And now they love that room. And it's great because they're getting that payoff every single time that they go into that room, even though they've only done the work the once. Another thing that clients will tell me is that one big marker of change is that they'll get out of bed more quickly. And so, again, that small thing has a big impact. And sometimes it is kind of time. Sometimes it's like I'm in this situation at the moment and it's really getting me down. But if I fast forward the clock, say two years, I won't be around this situation anymore. You know, I won't be at this job or I won't have to face this particular bureaucracy or whatever it might happen to be. It might even be just a noticing that Holding in there for the time to pass means that you get free of this situation and move into another one. But whether it's action or whether it's holding your resolve, it is helpful, I think, to notice that one of these three things that can change for us and really make big improvements in how we feel about life and ourselves and the people in it can be our present day circumstances. And so that's the podcast. So let's have a quick recap then. We've seen that there are three things that really play a role 
in our personal well-being. We've seen that some of those are things that we can't change and some of those are things that we can. The thing that is relatively stable was that first thing that we saw, which is our personality, our temperament. Maybe we're just an introverted person and maybe we get our energy from sitting alone reading a good book, for instance. Now, when we're looking at those things that we can't change that are there for our own acceptance what we move into there is a sense of okay this is just who I am let's develop my environment so that those particular needs get met whether it's that you're an extrovert and you need to be around people whether it's you're an introvert and you need to be sat on your own with a book from time to time whether it means that you're you know somebody who doesn't like a tidy house, for instance, or somebody who's very open to ideas, whatever they happens to be, you can just kind of know that's who you are and ensure that your environment is set up in order to meet your needs in just the same way that if you were to plant a sunflower, you would make sure that the sunflower was in the right soil and actually had a lot of access to the sun. And then the other two things we looked at was our childhood history And while we can't change that history, we can change its impact on us today by disconnecting those trauma responses so they're no longer played out today, given that we no longer need them. And then that final thing, which is a really obvious thing, I suppose, but it's worth remembering that at times our well-being will be affected by our present circumstances. And so we can look out for things that we can change in our present circumstances that we think might well have a really good impact on our sense of enjoyment of life. So I hope that's been useful and I'll see you next time. If you found this episode useful, please do share it so others can get the benefit as well. And if you'd like to work with me directly, I'm Alan Parry, and you can find out more about how I work at liverpoolpsychotherapy.co.uk. And of course, you don't have to be local to me because I work 100% online, so you can be based absolutely anywhere. Also, I want to let you know about a free video course that I've put together for you, and it's called Childhood Trauma Gone for Good. And it shows you how your trauma can now be completely eliminated. You can get that video series completely free. Just go to a sliceoftherapy.com forward slash free. And please subscribe to the podcast as well because this is free too. And it means that you'll never miss an episode again. So thanks for listening and I'll see you again on the next one.